In this episode of Flying Smarter, we're talking about cabin safety. For the entire episode, I'm chatting with flight attendant Janelle Sr. about things you need to know and things you might not have thought of when it comes to onboard safety. For those of you who haven't listened to previous episodes of the podcast, what normally happens is that I start off the episode by answering some questions about air travel, either ones that are submitted by listeners or ones that I've had in the past. Then I usually share some sort of fun fact or interesting tidbit about air travel, and then I get into what I call the main segment, and that's when I'll either take a deep dive into a particular aspect of air travel, or I'll have a guest on the show to share their insights and expertise. I'm going to do something a little bit different just for this episode though because I have a really interesting interview that's going to take up the entire time. And I didn't really want to cut it down or have an excessively long episode, so what I've done is just made this episode an interview-only one. And I'm really excited to share this with you, so let's get right into it. Janelle Sr. worked as a flight attendant for a major North American airline until she was recently laid off due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Janelle, I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, Janelle, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about um, your time as a flight attendant and uh, your current situation? For sure. So I was flying with my airline for about a year before the layoff came into play. Um, I got to see a variety of international destinations as well as domestic. Um, as mentioned, I'm currently on a layoff status, unsure of when I'll be back in the skies, but just working on the ground until. Yeah. So you're very, like, like many people, unfortunately, very laid off. What, um, what does life look like for you for, for the next little while? And, you know, what, uh, what does the recall process look like? Um, well, it doesn't look like waking up in a new city every couple of days. <laughs> a bit of a bummer, but <clears throat> sorry. Aside from that, it's just paying attention to all of the news and all of the trends as per what's going on at the current moment and hoping to be called back within the next couple of years. Right. Fair enough. And uh, and I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of people in your situation and we're all hoping that it goes well for uh, for everyone in the industry, right? Um, now, right. what we're here to talk about um, is uh, what I what I'm glad to have you here for is to talk a little bit about um, some safety issues in the cabin that people might either not be aware of um, or might not think about. Um, and I think there's a lot of really interesting things uh, in this realm that we can mm-hmm. go over. And I sort of have a hodgepodge list of things that um, that that we can touch on and things I want to ask you about. Um, and I'm sure you're you're going to bring up some things that uh, that I've never heard of either. Um, right. But I think but I think maybe a good way to do this is to start um, with the things in what uh, everyone sort of thinks about when they think about flight safety with the safety demonstration, and then we can go from <laughs> there. Does that sound fair? Sounds good. Okay, so the safety demonstration, which, as you probably know, most people don't really pay attention to. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Sadly, uh, yes. Yeah, but uh, I, I guess, and someone actually a- asked me this informally when I was starting my podcast. They're, they they mm. said, how much of the safety demonstration do I actually have to pay attention to? Like, how much do I actually have, have, have to know? All of it. The answer is all of it. <laughs> so, so, so zoning out is, is, is no good, right? <laughs> 
it's no good. And we see it all the time. We specifically ask right before we start the video that people take out their headsets that are connected to personal devices, just because, you know, if it's connected to the aircraft device, it's going to block your video out anyways, just so you can hear the safety video. We see people nodding off, talking to their neighbors. We try to police it in the most respectful way possible, because I promise you, every second of the video is it's it's vital. Right. Now, I... I sort of walked through um, the different parts of it in it in my head, and a lot of it, you know, makes sense, mm-hmm. like how to how to fasten your seatbelt and and things like that. Right. But there's a few things that I wanted to ask you about why um, they're a thing, like why why they're in there, right, or why people mm-hmm. ask you to do this, right? Um, so let me start with um, the bags under the seat. So you know, you're asked to store <laughs> your bag either over your head or all the way under your seat. Um, why is that a thing? Like why why can't you just hold your bag or put it like right in front of your feet? This one's interesting because this is the one that annoys passengers the most. But essentially, the likelihood of a plane coming down during takeoff and or landing is higher than if it's just cruising at altitude in the sky. And the reason why we need those bags and those items directly under the seat in front of you is because in the case of the aircraft's coming down and we need to have an emergency exit, we can't afford for anyone's way out of the aisle to be obstructed. So right. it's, it's a preventative measure, preventative measure just in case the worst is about to happen. Right. Okay. So it's essentially just making sure your path to the aisle is, you know, there, there's nothing in the way, right? Precisely. Oh, okay. Okay. Now the next thing on my list here is, um, when the oxygen mask comes down, there's always a line about something about, you know, putting it on yourself before helping others. Why is that a thing? <laughs> it's because the cabin pressure can will drop at alarming rates. And if you're trying to get it on someone else, you you might pass out before you can adequately put it on yourself, on that person, what less yourself. So it's always better for you to have that oxygen flow coming towards you. And then you're in a better position overall to help everyone else around you. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And I I see why they have to say it now, because especially like if you have kids mm-hmm. or whatever, your instinct is to, is to help them first. But um, I guess you can't help them if you're not okay <laughs> type of thing. And that's exactly how I put it when I'm giving briefings. Right. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, now, the third thing from the safety demonstration, um, your life jacket. Um, again, there's a line in there that usually says something like, um, don't inflate your life jacket until you get to the door, until you exit the aircraft, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why, yeah. why do they ask people to do that? So basically, the reason why we ask that passengers don't inflate their life vest until they get to the door is... If you inflate it before you get to the door, your mobility is completely obstructed. The aisles are as slim as they are already, what sense to be, you know, inflated. So that's why we ask that you don't do it until you're at the door and ready to go. Okay. Yeah. And I've never, I guess I've never really thought about it that way. But yeah, if everyone's walking around with what's essentially a giant balloon around their torso, that doesn't really work (laughs) in the cabin. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Huh, very interesting. Okay, so now let's move on to my um hodgepodge list of um lists of things. Um the first one here is um about um dimming the cabin lights. So before takeoff, 
and and before mm-hmm. landing, they always, you know, say, if you want to read, turn on your reading light, because we're going to turn, turn the lights off, right? Right. And is there a particular reason for that? Definitely. So what's not common knowledge is that we need to ensure that, especially during takeoff and landing, that outside conditions and inside conditions match. So say, for example, it's a night flight and it's pulling into the airport. We need to make sure that it's as dark as it is outside, inside, just so in the case that we need to evacuate really quickly, your eyes don't go into a type of shock trying to adjust to the lighting. Think about first thing in the morning, it's 6 a.m. in the winter, you're getting into the bathroom to start work, to start getting ready for work, you hit the light on, your eyes burn, right? So think of that situation in an emergency. That's why we have to make sure that the light conditions are the same inside and out. Right. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it, it's funny you mentioned that because I once heard someone tell their kid that they're saving power. Um, and uh, I guess they were very, very, very much wrong. <laughs> and I guess their kid is now uh, also very wrong <laughs> in what they think. <laughs> well, because, you know, you, you have kids who ask, yeah. you know, why this, why that, right? And so their parent, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I I didn't think that was it, but I didn't really know what the real answer was. I didn't say anything. <laughs> but well, poor kid. See what I mean? Not common. Not. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, now, what about um, types of uh, violence? Either whether it's like uh, terrorism or fights. Um, what uh, what what sort of happens if 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 something like that happens on your flight? Definitely. So in the case of terrorism, that is actually, but I'll just, for anyone out there listening, we have procedures in place to prevent that from from progressing. As far as violence, um, typical violence on board could be a verbal dispute between passengers or passenger and crew that unfortunately gets physical. Um, That passenger will be restrained. And upon landing, we'll definitely have customer service and the police meeting the flight. But during in the air, we're all trained to restrain people. So does that mean like during your, your I guess, your flight, flight attendant training, there's actually some sort of like physical combat training type thing? Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. And then I guess that also implies you guys carry some sort of restraints on on the plane? Or do you just tie them up with whatever? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 definitely not with whatever. It's it's an ethical process, but definitely we have equipment on board for in case needed. What about um, maybe just looping back to um, terrorism? Uh, People are worried about bombs, right? Um, Right. What uh, what's in place for for that? Um, We know the signs to look for as far as packaging and um, how would I put this? There there are some telltale signs and behaviors and attitudes. So we're always on the alert and always in communication with each other about that. And one other cool thing that people don't really know is that if it did come to our, our attention that Obama was on board, we are trained to deal with that. Oh, wow. And how how does the yeah. training for that work? Like, is there like a, I guess, as part of like, there's a training course for that? 
Definitely. It's a part of our broader flight attendant training, and it was one of the more intense modules, given the nature of it, of course. So they taught us how, again, to recognize, how to safely move, and a bunch of other things that I'll leave to the imagination. Right. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. And I guess that's not something Mm -hmm. people really think about. Like, people might be worried about it, but... um... Right. Very interesting to know that that's actually a, a thing that flight attendants are trained for. Yeah. Now, probably what people see most often on a plane out of the in in the emergency category is some sort of medical emergency, right? Like I assume by the even just based on personal experience, those happen fairly often. Now, flight attendants have um, mm-hmm. basic first aid training, and then um, there's also you know medical kits on board. Is is that sort of how that works? We have varying kinds of first aid kits on board. We have the ones that we are trained to open and operate. And then they're the ones that we reserve for medical professionals should one be on board at the time. And these kits and our training teaches and helps us alongside just about everything. So everything from vomiting to recognizing the signs of seizures. If you happen to pop your bone out during flight, I don't know how you would do this, but in the case that it happens on bandaging and making sure that you're all right until we can get you to a medical professional. Um, If you happen to be giving birth on board, we got you. Don't worry. We're not midwives by any stretch of the imagination, but we will ensure that your baby is delivered safely because we're trained for it. Okay, there was a lot in there, and I have two two things I want to ask you about. Um, <laughs> first, true. first of all, you mentioned that there are medical kits that you guys aren't even um, tr- trained to use, and for medical professionals, so there, there's kits just with, I guess, more advanced equipment that um, you know, if there's a doctor on board, they might know how to use. Is that sort of the idea? Well, yeah, we do have medical kits that are more geared towards medical professionals, so it would have things in there that they're used to using in their practice and in hospitals because even though we are first um first day trained we are not mds so we do have a specific kit that they'd have all the things they need in the case that they they are there and can take over wow that's very very interesting and i guess it's almost a little bit reassuring because like i've heard multiple times they ask for a ask for a doctor or whatnot but um yes you know you sort of like I've sort of thought well you know I mean if it's a doctor they have the knowledge but what can they do but it's very interesting to know that they that they actually have access to all this equipment um as well um now now the second thing I want to follow up out of there because you put through you put out a bunch of interesting um scenarios and stuff out there um have you seen any really interesting medical things go on on your flight um I'm thankful to not have seen it up close outside of you know vomiting upon arrival but there was a situation where a passenger's face started to kind of droop and our service director was able to catch that because the passenger was seated um more to the front of the aircraft and on that particular particular flight we had a lot of fa's stationed at the front of the aircraft so i personally didn't see it but it has happened right okay um now let's move on um I want to ask you, are there any safety related pet peeves that flight attendants or that you in particular have? So um, things that people <laughs> might do that um, either that they they should know better or they don't know any better, but that are that related to safety that people tend to do that they maybe shouldn't. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so my 
okay, I have two things on that. My two personal things are during takeoff and landing when I'm on my jump seat. I know people are tempted, especially if it's a really nice destination we're going to. People want to know, oh, do you get to stay there? Are you going to get to lay over? What do you plan on doing? I would sit and talk to you all day, but that unfortunately is not the time. During takeoff and landing, we're going, there's a, there's a myriad of things going through our heads. We are scanning the aircraft to ensure that everyone appears okay. We're monitoring the outside conditions from our window the best way that we can. We are reciting our shouting commands in case we have to do an emergency landing and we literally have to start shouting the commands to evacuate the aircraft in 90 seconds or less. So jump seat chatter, <laughs> even though we are that close to you to hold a conversation, that I would say is one of the things I don't necessarily like on board. Um, I would say that my second pet peeve occurs upon landing as soon as the seatbelt sign takes off, goes off. So essentially during that time, it's for me to disarm my door and cross check with my colleague that his or her door is, door is also disarmed. In some rare cases, I might be the person who has to man my door and the door across the aisle from me. And it's really difficult to get both doors disarmed when I have to be essentially stepping over passengers. I mean, I'm sympathetic and I understand it might have been a long haul flight. You're ready to go. You have a connecting flight. You need to get your baggage out of the overhead bin. But disarming the doors, cross-checking and confirming is very time sensitive. So it would help your flight attendants everywhere if upon landing, when the seatbelt sign comes off, you give us a little bit of a grace period to just get our doors disarmed. Right. Okay. That, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's really good to know as well. Mm -hmm. um, I have two questions about the lavatory. Um, <laughs> is there a way to... Um, if someone, you know, gets stuck in the lavatory or if someone, um, you know, needs help or whatever, because there's like a call button in there. Um, yeah. is, is there a way for you to get in without destroying the door? Oh, definitely. There's a way for us to get in in the case that someone rang the bell, they're in distress or they might have locked themselves in. We can definitely get in. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And the second question is, um, there's a lot of talking about, you know, don't smoke in the lavatory, there's smoke detector in the lavatory. Um, a two-part question. A, why is it specifically about like smoking such stress in the lavatory? And B, do people actually do it? It has actually happened. And we actually have sometimes people who challenge us. They'll say, how come we're not allowed to smoke on the aircraft or in the lavatories? but you have a cigarette butt holder thingy on the door. To that, we have to turn to our aircraft manufacturers. I don't know why they still do it. Maybe it's just the aesthetic of the thing, I guess. And I would assume that people go into the labs to smoke because they might not necessarily know that there's smoke detectors in there. And I guess the hide essentially, but if you do it, we're going to know. So people everywhere, don't do it. It's a safety hazard. And and what actually happens to that, like when that smoke detector goes off? Like, is it like in your house, like the alarm goes off or or what, what happens? Definitely an alarm goes off and we'll actually, the smoke, the smoke will escape the lab. 
So it's not even, it's not a personal problem to the person in the laboratory. It now starts to affect the entire aircraft. Uh, okay. So yeah, that's not ideal. A smoke in the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do it, guys. Okay. Now, if um, if we can move a little bit away from safety, um, I want to ask you what um, the best experience that you've had um, as a flight attendant and the worst experience that you've had um, as a flight attendant. It can be safety related or it, uh, it but it doesn't have to be, if that makes sense. Um, so best and worst or worst and best, whichever order you'd like. Okay. Okay. We'll start with the worst and then we'll polish it off with the best. Ah, I like that. Um, I was once doing a flight. <laughs> Perfect. I was once doing a flight. And I had a passenger, a mom of two, actually threatened to fight me because I wouldn't give her the earphones for free. <laughs> Aren't the earphones like two or three dollars or something like that? <laughs> um, they're three fifty before taxes, so not even that expensive. And she she kind of went off. I tried to explain to her that you know we only give the earphones for free on international flights. And again, these are just things that we know internally and passengers might not necessarily know. There are specific situations in which certain items would be free, um, flight delays, um, just other various things. And that's never up to the flight attendant. That comes from a higher chain of command. So once I told her that, you know, I'm sorry, I'm unable to give you these earphones for free for your kids because they are... um, this is an international flight, national flight, because she used her passports to get on the aircraft. And right. on the inside, I was like, oh, no, how do I how do I kind of break this down? So, of course, we're trained to diffuse situations and, you know, calm things down. And despite my best efforts, she said that she'll fight me. Wow. For earphones. Wow. <laughs> She, she she didn't fight you in the end, right? I hope. <laughs> and honestly, it was one of those things that I sympathized with. It, it's not easy to travel with kids and we have nervous travelers and we never know what people are traveling for. She could have been, it could have been, it could have not been a happy flight for her. So I didn't really take it to heart, but I was just, you know, communicating it with my fellow colleagues and they're like, no, 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 no. Like by the books, this is this is a serious event. She's threatened you. So it went to our service director and it went to our pilots and it went down the whole chain of command. Of course, she changed her story in the end and would not confess to fight to threatening to fight me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. So that I I would say is the worst situation. That was the most tense and uncomfortable two and a half hours I've ever lived in my life. However, there are moments on board, many moments that outweigh those and that really made even the worst of situations worth it. I remember I worked a evening flight and I I always make note of the kids on board because we we do our best to make the kids super comfortable. Just a hospitality thing. And I remember specifically serving this kid juice and he was such a sweet kid. He ordered the drinks for the juice for his mom and his grandmother. And he, he was just a notable kid on flight. And I was at the door during deplaning and he handed me a note. It was just on a sticky note and I read it and it said, 
thank you for allowing us to fly on and that would be the one time I actually had to try to hold tears back at any point of the flight as soon as every as soon as all of our passengers deplaned I passed them over around to my entire crew and we all just had a moment of you know we think we're not we think that we're not making impacts on people's lives but then you get a note like this you get a genuine thanks that makes it all worth it oh that's such an adorable story <laughs> i still have the note i took pictures of it and i actually do need to get around to framing it i i don't want that to get damaged at all oh wait could you send us a, a copy of uh of this picture and <gasps> we can post it on our social media and everyone can see <laughs> I would be happy to. I will definitely do that. Okay. Okay. That, that that's great. That's such a great story. Um. And uh. And I think that that might be a really high note. Uh. And a good place to 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 wrap up. Um. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being here, uh, Janelle. Uh, Janelle Senior is a flight attendant with a major North American airline who's unfortunately been affected by the COVID nineteen layoffs. And you can check out her blog at jfearless.com, and that's where she documents her travels and flight attendant life. And we'll also uh, put a link to that as well as a link to her Instagram where you can follow her and her handle there is jfearless as well. Well, Janelle, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This, This was great. That brings us to the end of this episode of Flying Smarter. Please take a minute to follow us on social media, or on Facebook and Instagram at Flying Smarter, and on Twitter at Flying underscore Smarter. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.